Ryan, did you know that with great power comes great responsibility? I did. I did know that. Does Tony know that? I hope so. If he doesn't, he's in trouble. I know. And I think at this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's life, they do have great power. But do they exercise great responsibility is the question. And it's debatable because you might say we're diving into a couple of the worst movies in the yeah. MCU. Oh, yeah. No. This is at the peak. The peak, they hit greatness, and then they realize that we are greatness. We don't need to listen to anybody. And we are also greatness, but we are Infinity Rewatch, too. <laughs> I'm Andrew Fantasia. I'm joined by Ryan J. Whitehead, the most handsome man on planet Earth, and maybe Neptune. Mm. Maybe Neptune. Yeah. Uh, Saturn, there's a lot of hot people on Saturn. I'm sorry, neither of us stand a chance. That's fair. That's we're, fair. We're like a Saturn 3, but mm. we're a Neptune 10. Yeah, well, you know, it takes beauty to recognize beauty sometimes. Thank you. And, uh, and that's, you know, you're a beautiful person yourself. Oh, gee mm-hmm. whiz. Yeah. So uh, here we are. Here we are. And we're, uh, we're, we, we're finishing up phase one. Oh, no, we finished phase one. We yeah, finished phase, phase one. one's old news. Phase one is old news. We are now into phase two. And, you know, when you're in, you, the listener, when you're in the heat of Infinity Rewatch and you're going through it, this is where you hit the wall. Mm-hmm. This is this is the the speed bump in what was a good momentum building, a little bit rocky with uh, a little bit of rocky road with Thor the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to it at the at the time of this podcast, I was re-listening to our uh, Thor episode, and uh, you know we were spot on with a lot of commentary on like you know Jane Foster and stuff like that. But Iron Man three, who man, Iron Man had done no wrong at this point. It depends on who you talk to. In my opinion, Iron Man one and two were our flawless experiences um and uh and you know there might be some creative differences but that doesn't mean it wasn't a great experience this time around they just went completely off the deep end three is a it's three uh, iron man three is like the equivalent of your friend has had a bit too much to drink they're Mm -hmm. not drunk yeah but they've had a bit too much to drink Mm -hmm. and they do or say something where you're like wow I wasn't expecting you to do that. Exa- yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's exactly it. And it's it's funny you say that too. I was listening to um, I was listening to a, another YouTuber. Uh, he d- has a channel called the Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Oh, I like that name a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cosmonaut Variety Hour, and uh, and he he said he loved Iron Man three, and I really love his opinions. They're entertaining. They're fun to watch. But I was shocked to hear that he really loved Iron Man three, and he said what he loved about it was that in this particular movie. It doesn't really grow the MCU. It doesn't really offer anything to the table. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a really simple story that has a lot of human character to it. And I agree with that, but what really but there are ways to do that by expanding the MCU a little bit and giving us more to offer there and especially giving us a good villain. Mm-hmm. And yes. this one, the villain, oof. Ouch! Yeah, I caramba. We are now, now, now. But there's a lot to to talk about in Iron Man three. But before we dive in, uh, you and I we're we're very efficient gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I like to think so. Anyway. Yeah. So we record a lot of these in advance. You know, get them in the back. Yep. And just at the point in time when we're recording this, there happened to be two big things happening oh. in real time mm-hmm. regarding the MCU. Mm-hmm. So let's let's really quickly get those there so that people. I'm sure people want to know what we think. Yeah. So let's talk about these two trailers. That have come out in recent memory. Yes. We'll start with Black Widow. Absolutely. Tell me about this Black Widow trailer. So this is actually interesting. One of the big things I find about this Black Widow trailer, first of all, they the Marvel always seems to do their uh, 
their announcements during big events. So this was a college football event that they were at. Uh, and I was playing. You were. I, I you were was the, the lead center fold of the team. I think that's that the quarterback. <laughs> I, I, I think you're wrong. I think I know my football. Okay. <laughs> I was the, the running centerfold. Thank you very much. Continue your story. <laughs> um, so, so they announced that there's going to be a special look into Black Widow at this college football thing. Now, the interesting thing is they say it's a special look. In my opinion, I think it's the first actual trailer as opposed to the teaser trailer. Right. Because it does feel like a trailer. There's no scene. There's no full scene in it that you get to watch like a full scene of something. It's legit a sequence of a, lo- a longer look at sequences mm-hmm. with a more de- uh, in-depth look at the story. And they do a good job in this one. I, I honestly, I actually tested, uh, I tested to see how this new special look at Black Widow would uh, entice people that may not be comic book fans like we are. So what test did I pull? Well, you guys may have heard this voice before, but my fiance, Isabella, I tested it with her to see if she would like it because her initial thought was that she doesn't know what's special about Black Widow based on the teaser trailer. Gotcha. And I agree. And it's hard to convince her because I know the comic that they're basing this off of, but it's still hard to explain other than it's more than a spy film, Mm -hmm. right? Or because like no matter how I explain it, it feels like a spy film, like Red Sparrow, and we don't need that. Now, I show her this trailer, this special look, loves it. She's like, I am intrigued. Mm -hmm. That is what she said. Legit. And it's really cool. So you got a deeper look at Taskmaster. What I love about this time around, a lot of people thought that um, Rachel Wise's character is going to be Taskmaster, but you see her her kind of fighting a bit more, but you see Taskmaster is a bit more defined. It looks like he's going to be his own role. And you don't take a character like that and blend him into another character. You don't need to, not with Taskmaster. Um, he's too, he's, he's got Deadpool celebrity status, so yes. you don't want to mess with this guy. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Taskmaster has a, a photographic memory. That's one of my favorite powers mm. in comics. Like it, it's, it, it's one of those powers you're like, man, if I had that, how great would life be? But, but his is cool how they adapt that kind of power because his power is during a fight, he can tell, um, he can telegraph everything you're doing and mimic it almost instantly. So yeah. he's able to see it, learn it, and perform it. So, and the cool thing is, you see him using like a, a shield similar to Captain America. Mm-hmm. He's got the bow, uh, and he's got a sword. Now, I don't, I can't think of who comes to mind who has a sword other than uh, Zemo, but Zemo didn't have a sword in Civil mm-hmm. War. So I'm curious to see where the sword's going to come into play, um, Ronin, but or Hawkeye, if you will. But I don't I'll make know. a guess right now. Yeah, um, we're getting a cameo from Black Knight really that's oh my, my god that's a good guess because he's coming up and yeah. he's uh he's supposed to be a big deal um so yeah i think i think uh tasky mm-hmm. has a little tiff with black knight and he's like "Ooh, swords i like that yeah i want in uh, I, I love it. So, yeah, uh, what we're seeing based on the collection of the first teaser trailer and this special look into it, uh, I think what we're seeing is a really cool look into uh, Black Widow's spy world. Because you have to remember at the time, and we'll get to this as we go through Infinity Rewatch, uh, we're actually about to get through this after we get through these two episodes of Iron Man 3 and Thor Dark World. In, um, in Winter Soldier, uh, she unleashes all the... Uh, or was it Winter Soldier? Yeah, it was Winter Soldier, yeah. So she unleashes all the secrets of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what have you. Mm. So maybe she leaked the Black Widow group. And now they're after her, right? Because she thought she did a good thing. So I think we're kind of seeing that. But what I'm also curious to see is what role does uh, good old Thaddeus Ross 
have to do it. Varieties in this. Yeah. I think that that like, and and you can see it in the trailer too. And like you mentioned, how Isabella was on board. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was okay. I know before I see any footage, I know this is going to be a spy movie primarily with characters I'm not super familiar with. It's going to be very political. Yeah. Um, but then I see the trailer and I see, okay, they're delivering on all that. They're delivering on the spy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they're delivering on the politics. Um, they're delivering on the Russian politics, particularly because she's Russian. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also making it look, sound, and feel like a Marvel movie. Yes. So I think that is where my excitement anyway comes in. And I think somebody who's a more casual fan like Isabella would, would see that and be like, okay, so it's this kind of movie instead of like other things I've seen. But damn, it still looks like a Marvel movie. So I'm yeah. on board. This is fun. That's it. Yeah, it's, and, and exactly. So I I think that this this special look into it was necessary because there's a lot of confusion with Black Widow's movie right now, mm -hmm. though a lot of people want it. Um, you know, Marvel fans who just want any Marvel movie, they're not sure if they're getting a Marvel movie from this. And I love how you rephrase that. And that's it. Like, we're getting a Marvel movie. Taskmaster looks great. I yes, love he the helmet. Um, I think that's a great adaptation of the skull, the skull face that he has. Um, and I'm very curious to see. I wonder if he has the Taskmaster Institute, um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he has that. But uh, I did. You do get to see Taskmaster using his uh, photographic uh, ability because he does the the kick up that uh, mm -hmm. Widow does at the same time. And yeah, I, I'm hoping we're seeing a big villain here. Now, what I'm interested to see is uh, based on the story progression of Captain America. Um, it looks like everyone's been trying to replicate the super soldier serum. I wonder if the Russians have cracked it, but there may be side effects, which mm -hmm. is why you have Red Guardian and why you have, maybe you have Taskmaster because of it, right? Maybe it's not like you can directly, you maybe you cannot duplicate it, but you can replicate it. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see where that's going, but I, I think the trailer did a great job and it's definitely selling the Marvel mcu black widow movie so that's that's it's doing it's, i'm on board it's, it's i am on board and then along comes the trailer for morbius yes now this is where you're gonna play more of a a, a role here because you've seen venom mm. um and i i'm kind of concerned here i i mean sony i will say has been working so hard to get comic book movies right yeah now i think they learned a lot from marvel like a lot from marvel um that being said that being said i haven't seen venom and for a lot of you who have been sold on this idea that i am this marvel encyclopedic knowledge guy he is by the way and thank you um i didn't see it for the sole reason that i wasn't ready to see it mm -hmm. because i knew from what the trailers and what i was seeing that first of all this doesn't have to do with the mcu it's its own movie and that concerns me a little bit uh, second of all, Venom, you don't go right into Venom. You need to build Venom. And yes. we were talking about this just before the podcast. Um, and so I never saw Venom. So what I like about Morbius is that, first of all, we're seeing Vulture kind of play a role in it. But I don't know why Vulture's tying a role in this Morbius' story. Morbius in the comics has a fantastic story. He's all about understanding genetics and stuff like that because mm -hmm. he's trying to cure his own condition. Um, and then by doing that, he ends up turning himself in, in sort of, in a way, a mutant. A mutant. Uh, he becomes the living vampire. And what I love about this is I love the tone and the theme of the trailer. I like it because I think, again, it all boils down to 
everything boils down to Captain America. Captain America was the first success of chemical, like, or sorry, genetic alteration. Yeah. So then everyone else tries to replicate it. And that's why you have Winter Soldier, because the Russians tried to replicate it. In, uh, in Civil War, you get to kind of get that backstory. I think they succeeded, but not directly succeeded. And I think Bucky's the only one to kind of been able to get it right, but it has to do, has to undergo certain treatments to keep them Winter Soldier-esque. Uh, so Morbius, um, the trailer looks great. The, the character feels fun. I have nothing against Jared Leto, but I think he's just too Jared Leto about it. Like, mm-hmm. I just, excuse me, I want to see how this is going to play out, basically. I'm, I'm intrigued, but I'm concerned. I'm intrigued with yeah. concerns, but I, I'm worried that they're going to kind of force feed you like, oh, because we have Morbius, we're going to put in Vulture to let you know that this is tied to Spider-Man and, you know, Tom Holland stuff and, and stuff. Even though we're moving away from MCU, we're going to use MCU to kind of get this pedal going. And yeah. I'm, I'm really concerned that's the case. Whereas I, I want a good Spider-Man story, but it doesn't, you can kind of not, there's a way to nod to the MCU without trying to like flash MCU in your face and be like, don't worry, it's MCU, right? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a more subtle way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I'm not going to fault you for not watching Venom because I've still refused to watch Amazing Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. because I hated the first Amazing Spider-Man so much. Right. Um, with, with Venom, you're looking at, it's such a weird movie, man, because you're like, he goes so hand in hand with Spider-Man for me. Yeah. And I'm not one of these people who's like a stickler for, you know, like when Age of Ultron was coming out, I was not like, oh, but Hank Pym's supposed to make Ultron. So therefore, this movie sucks. Like, I, yeah. I don't care. Like, change the origins a bit, you know, make it suit the story. Uh, with Venom, though, I was like, man, like doing Venom without Spider-Man just feels weird. Like, it's like making a bizarro movie with no Superman in that universe. It's Ex- like, what, oh, yeah. what is happening? Exactly, yeah. So uh, I, I watched it, and I thought it was okay. Mm. It was like a perfectly okay late 90s movie that somehow got released in 2018. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very forgettable movie. Mm. Venom himself is good, but it's very forgettable. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this Morbius trailer, I was like, okay, it looks like it's exactly the same thing. It's a very bland watered down looking world mm-hmm. you know far cry from how marvel looks with bright and colorful and everything looks cool this is just like you know a very bland looking city and bland looking people in black trench coats just walking around and saying bland things yeah and then morbius comes out and he's jared leto and he's like i'm a crippled scientist and i'm like sure you are you look like you just walked off gq magazine yeah. <laughs> um and yeah. then you know he does his thing now morbius i gotta be real here i got a bias here he's my least favorite spider-man villain. really okay. I, yeah because I, I grew up on that cartoon yeah and which i will say though they did do a good job of of including him in that story oh well the neogenic nightmare the neogenic thing yeah, yeah. They, they found a perfect way to, to put him in the story but every time it like morbius was in that cartoon it was my least favorite stuff because it was always the same thing like he first of all he he like he gets his accident because he's just like a greedy idiot, and he's like, "I'm going to steal Parker's blood." Yeah, and then he steals his blood, and then um, there's like six episodes in a row where he's just like he shows up somewhere and he's like, Whoa, "I'm a vampire." He scares people. Yeah, Spider-Man shows yeah. up, Morbius runs away. He's like, "Felicia," and he runs away. Felicia. And then the cops show up and they're like, "Hey, it's Spider-Man. He must have been that vampire everybody's talking about. Yeah. Let's shoot him." And I'm like, "God, how dumb are the people of New York City?" Like, so they that cartoon did that so many times in a row to the point where I was like, Morbius can go, like he can just go do a, a very unpleasant thing 
I, you know, I, park I think that's interesting. I think, yeah. I think that's interesting in your perspective on it. But at the same time, in the comics, Spider-Man was blamed for everything. Yes. If there was a weird event, he was blamed for it all the time. Like, there's a robbery, he was he was the robber. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why Mysterio was a fun character, because he played up the, the, the being blamed thing. And I think it's, like, I think what, what was interesting was they tried to tie it in that he was the creature of the night kind of thing, and mm-hmm. that there's a mysterious plasma drain. And then as it went on, it became Morbius. But I, I think what happened, I agree with you that it was kind of blurred a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, and Michael Morbius, they I don't think they, they approached him they they gave him one episode where he had some real golden moments where he talks about the plague that overruns his country and stuff but for a guy who considers himself above everything else like he i don't know it just there are things that just didn't fit overall but i don't know i kind of like that he was he was blamed to be the the creature of the night kind of thing cuz they they do blame him for a lot they do and i like when like i don't mind the blaming but this was like i just remember six episodes in a row of the same pattern mm-hmm. um well, that cartoon was notorious for recycling. Yeah, and it just got really out of hand. Now, the the one thing that I loved about that Morbius was that he was very, very European. Yeah. He, he had the Dracula accent down to a T. And I was kind of bummed that Jared Leto is not going that route. He's just like, I'm an American guy now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm like, wow. All right, so they're, they're watering down a character who was already watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm watching this trailer, and I'm like, okay, it looks like Venom with a vampire. And then you see that graffiti, of Spider-Man, and then you see Vulture, and I'm like, well, okay, what's what are we doing here, Sony? What mm-hmm. you're sending me a lot of mixed signals. Yeah. So now I'm just utterly confused. Um, the only thing I can think of is Venom is a popular enough character, and like this is just me thinking like, okay, I'm Amy Pascal or whoever's in charge of Sony now. Yeah. This is my train of thought. Venom's popular enough where you can be like, let's make a movie about Venom. Doesn't have to be MCU. We'll just make a Venom movie. But then you got Morbius, and it's like, no, but even Spider-Man fans don't really give a crap about Morbius. Let's yeah. make them have a reason to want to watch this movie. We'll make it part of the MCU. Well, well, what, are the, what is the order? What is the order, the film order, when they say from the studio that brought you? They say from the studio that brought you Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. We're like, really? <laughs> and, then it's, and then the last one's Venom, and it's like, it kind of feels like... Like they didn't even include into the Spider Verse. Like yeah. you could have, you could have done it so many different ways. But it clear, it's clear to me that that Sony is trying to be like, look, like we, this is we've worked with Marvel. This is our thing, and it's. But it's also their it's thing. It's so weird. It's worrisome. So, so we'll we'll figure out what Morbius is like um, if it really ends up being truly. Um, like steeped in the MCU, we'll yeah. do an episode about it once yeah. we've seen it. But that's just that's just my thoughts initially. Is like, wow, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a personal call out to Sony as a fan, and mm-hmm. I will say, Sony, you, I I know the deal was not easy, mm-hmm. was not easy, and from my understanding, like it was actually kind of tough. But if if Disney's willing to work with you and you guys can continue to find good ground, you can do no wrong. You can do no wrong working with Marvel because they, even though Sony, you have a bigger, like you have Spider-Man, which could be it's easily its own playground. Yes. Um, if you include everybody else, uh, then you can make your playground much bigger because if you do Morbius and and Marvel is working on Blade, you can have the two cross paths, which go. would be really cool to see. 
Um, but yeah, like, yeah. So Sony, if you ever hear this as a fan, I love that you guys are still doing comic book movies. Um, but so far your best work has been with Marvel aside yes. from into the spider verse, but that was a w- that, weirdly that was different approach. An outstanding movie. And you yeah. know what? I'll double down on your message to Sony and I'll mm. say this before we get to Iron Man three. One last thing, Sony, if you want an amazing cinematic universe that you own all by yourself, I have three words for you. You own Ghostbusters. <laughs> Please stop wasting that opportunity. Yeah. That's all. All right. So, all right. Iron Man 3 Let's is do a it. movie yeah, that came out. Yeah. Uh, tell me, Ryan Joseph Whitehead, you're, you're riding the, the fresh wave of just pure euphoria that was Avengers. Yes. yes and I now, do. Phase 2 begins, yep. and the first movie is Iron Man 3. How do you feel? So, at this point, I'm very excited. And, and not only that, um, you know, we not only that... We got the reference of Thanos. So we are way off the gate already of like, holy crap, Thanos is here. Does that mean there are infinity gems? What does this mean? Mm. And so then we get Iron Man 3. So I, I remember talking about in Thor, you know, you with Thor, you have a chance to get cosmic and get really weird with the cosmic stuff. Yeah. But it's funny with Avengers, you nod on the cosmic world. Again, you nod, nod, knock on the, the Thanos door. And what do you do? You go right back to New York. <laughs> or sorry, you go right back to LA because he's West Coast. Um, so so at this point, I'm excited. But at the same time, I'm curious to see where Iron Man 3 is going. Now, the trailer and and the hype for this movie was built around the Mandarin. And mm. we're talking Ben Kingsley's Mandarin. And I loved it. I, I was so on board because we've been hearing about the Ten Rings and we've been getting all this buildup of like the, the Ten Rings are influencing the the CD Underground kind of thing, and they're this enemy faction. And I love that that Mandarin is just breaking down all these American institutions, mm-hmm. and and he's and and I think it's perfect because Iron Man, as the story progresses, he he makes himself an American institution, yes. which is you have that beautiful parallel, right? And so Mandarin's like, okay, like I love the speech about fortune cookies. And everything and the commercials and the trailers all have like these little highlight reels of the mandarin being like this this terrorist if you will and i loved it i loved the idea of it it was a great modern approach to the mandarin so i was very excited at this time to see iron man 3 and how the Mandarin's going to play a role in the mcu because again we know at this point you have magneto you have dr doom you have loki and and you have red skull you have and now you have mandarin so you you have a really good villain that you can build off of so very excited and very curious to see where this is going and that's all we really get i mean there's some nods here and there to uh to aim uh right Mm -hmm. out of the gate which was pretty cool too it's uh you know you have this geeky character before seeing the movie um uh what's his name uh the nerdy name uh aldridge killian yeah (laughs) aldridge killian uh, and like he's like, yeah, I'm part of AIM. And then, of course, again, that nod to the comic book fans, guess what? AIM's in this too. And you're like, finally, yes. Like, let's see more factions. Let's see like yeah. all these things come together. So, yeah, I was very excited walking into this film because it was offering some cool stuff. And then there were some weird parts of humor and story. And so, yeah, so then you kick off with Iron Man 3. So going into it, very excited. Now, this was, it felt to me, 
and I don't know if you notice. I, I feel like you notice these things too because mm. we we share a, the same soul sometimes. Yes, yes, um, we do. Kindred spirits. When you have a movie that is a sequel, and yeah. it could be in any franchise, mm -hmm. you have a sequel to a movie where the first one was really, really well loved. Mm -hmm. In the first few moments of the sequel, like I'm talking, like when the the Paramount logo comes on, like the the first few moments of that sequel, mm -hmm. you can almost feel like. I don't want to use the word cockiness because yeah. that sounds negative, but it's almost the, the best term for it. It's like you feel like the movie knows. It's got like the swagger. It does. Right off the gate. It does. And it's like, yeah, we know. We rocked your world. Uh, and this has that. I forget the song they use right at the beginning, but when, when the Paramount logo comes on, there's not silence. It's like they start playing this song and you just feel like, oh, the whole world watching this was like in love because of Avengers and mm -hmm. now... This is their first foray into phase two. Mm -hmm. And the movie's just like, yep, we're back, baby. We're and back. It, it just has that swagger to it. Yeah. And I, I like that. And I noticed that a lot in, in sequels to good things. Now, you brought up Aldrich Killian. And I think he's a good place to start. Because I, I really, he really bothered me. Um, and it's a great actor. I this actor <laughs> is cursed. I, oh, my God. <laughs> he is. He, really he is, is so... I feel so bad for him. Because he has such a great approach to to i don't i want to say evil but like because it's not the right word but he's he's very twisted yes he's a very twisted individual and he's very good at being a twisted mind and yeah it just altered it just wasn't the right the right actor but the wrong character yeah like the wrong kind of approach to it and i mean he had the guy pierce has the mentality of like a marvel character where he's playing it seriously, but every once in a while, you know, he's kind of tongue-in-cheek about it. He's like, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of an evil genius. Well, like, he, yeah. he understands the sort of Marvel mentality. Um, but when he shows up and, he, you know, he's there at this, this flashback in, to, uh, to New Year's Eve. Yeah. And he's like, Tony, I'm a nerdy guy. Uh, it's so, like, you have seen this trope a dozen times in superhero movies. Like, mm -hmm. right away, I thought of... Um, the Riddler in Batman Forever yes. and I thought of Hector Hammond in the Green Lantern movie mm -hmm. and they were both like hey I'm this really nerdy guy and, and the nobody understands me hey main character do you understand me no not really okay well I'm gonna come back hot in five years and that means I'm powerful and it's like what are you doing yeah like, no, it's not the right way to do it right yeah. like like the, again and this is a this is a, a very um a very profound philosophy that we have mm. here on Infinity Rewatch, which is if the cartoon can do it better, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, you but... are doing something wrong. And for example, in the Batman animated series, the Riddler is so well done. Yes, he's he's a he's still very nerdy. He's still very much his nerdy himself. You know, wearing suspenders, the bow tie, but he emotionally he's committed to being better than you, mm -hmm. and that's where it's it's not about looking better it's about just being better and uh you know the whole maze of the minotaur uh, episode you see oh, him yeah. you know and that's why i love the i think the title of the episode is if you're so smart why aren't you rich that's right and and that is that is that's the line right like and that's the same with aldridge killian and that's the same with the riddler in the uh in the batman forever movie is it's it's not about looking you know rich and famous it's about if you're so smart why aren't you rich yeah and and i love that i love it so aldridge killian again i again the actor he that guy is as capable as being dr doom he could mm -hmm. have been a great dr doom 
and yet they give him this character that's this nerdy weird gangly looking dude and and worships tony stark and i kind of like that they tied in jensen and he was at the big conference mm-hmm. and he introduced uh dr yao i think it was um i have a reference there for that uh and uh where to go where to go where to go dr uh, yao i'm not remembering this i, I remember that conversation mm-hmm. and when i watched this just now because it's been so long man like i i saw this movie once in the theater and that mm-hmm. was it so when Jensen showed up, I was like, oh, God, it's Jensen. That's right. Like, I, yeah. I had that little moment. Again. I had that little moment. But again, you didn't need to do that. But I think it was just nice because Jensen was was a pivotal character for Iron Man. So yes. it was nice to int- reintroduce him there. And he brings that meeting up when we mm. see him in Iron Man 1. He's like, you don't remember me, but I've met you. Yeah. So it doesn't feel shoehorned. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm. So and then, I, again, Eltridge Kildarian introduces the advanced idea mechanics, which is AIM, mm. big faction in the comic books. But Tony begins by narrating and saying, a famous man once said, we all create our own demons. Uh, that could be para- paraphrased by a million people, but it's also direct reference to the seminal Iron Man comic, the story Demon in a Bottle. It ran nine issues in 1979, uh, 120 to 128, uh, and showed Tony's life falling apart uh, because of his drinking. It was a critical part of Iron Man lore. It's heavily referenced in all three movies. Uh, and the song that was playing was uh, Eiffel 65's Blue. Ah uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dabbit, pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, this is what I wanted to get to. So, the two people who try to talk to Tony on the dance floor is Ho Yensen, uh, uh, Tony would eventually be trapped in the cave with, uh, and a Doctor Wu. Wu had no comics equivalent at that time, but Dan Slott and Giuseppe Kamen uh, Coley did add that a Doctor uh, Wu in 2005's Amazing Spider-Man as a nod to this character. Uh, Dr. Wu uh, worked as the head of the uh, Parker Industries Biotech Division. This is the era of the Marvel Comics where Iron Man and Spider-Man basically switch personalities. Oh. Um, and uh, the mo- uh, movie Iron Man was a neurotic, quippy mess. So Peter Parker would become a wealthy, jet-setting industrialist whose alter ego posed as his bodyguard. That's really interesting. Mm. Now, Aldrich Killian, tell me a bit about him. Is I know AIM, you know, I, I'm familiar with AIM, the little beekeeper suit guys. Yep. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think MODOK was part of AIM. Oh, um, no, MODOK runs AIM. MODOK, okay, yeah. so there you go. So now Aldrich Killian, and he's got um, his his project that he works on is called Extremis, which I know is a comic thing as well. Yes. But tell me about what the comic Extremis is and tell me about the comic book version of Aldrich Killian. What's his deal? Okay, so the comic book version of Aldrich Killian and the Extremist. The Extremist group is a modern enemy faction of Iron Man. Um, so again, the whole way comic, most Marvel, most generic comic villains are is they try to base their work off of the main character. Mm-hmm. So Aldrich Killian um, and the group Extremist came out of the Ultimate series. It was Iron Man 2005. Uh, and so the extremist formula, so these guys basically, they're like, how do I describe this? They're like the liquid hot magma to building an armor. So they're, the whole point is, is their power is they just generate a ridiculous amount of heat. Hmm. That's their power. Okay. But it's done through biotech. Okay, so it is very similar to how it was in the movie. It was, it was portrayed almost like direct reference. Uh, which is nice, yeah. which is nice. But, and this is where my brother and I were starting to, this is where my brother was starting to get, um, and I, he would tell you today uh, that uh, this is where the movie started kind of taking more from the Ultimates and less from the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. And my brother is a big fan of the Silver Age. It's like the 1980s 
uh, 1970s, 1980s kind of era. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that was a good time. But yeah, it was a direct reference. So yeah, Extremis is basically like, you know, they're trying to, um, they're, they're trying to find their version of a super soldier and they create uh, these soldiers based on heat. So yes, the Extremis is real, ultimate run, that in answer to you. And Aldrich Killian was the Extremis guy mm. in that as well. Yeah, um, Aldrich Killian, though, was not... He's not an actual member of AIM. He was definitely not the head of it because it was, uh, it was, um, uh, Aldrich Killian did not run AIM. Sorry. Basically, what happened was, uh, Modoc runs AIM. Aldrich Killian was a member of Extremis, uh, and he was not the big villain. He was a villain for Tony, but in the end, after he created Extremis, he kind of just considered himself a failure because he couldn't beat Iron Man, and then oh, poor baby. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's it for that character. Say but that. Maya was also a character from Extremis, and and also a character from comics. Maya, the the, the girl he meets yeah. at the New Year's party. Uh, Maya Henson. Maya Henson. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna keep that in mind for later when we add mm -hmm. to our character our character list here. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we we move into the present day, and Tony's working in his shop like he usually does, and. He's got that cute little dunce cap for his robot arm, which which I thought was really cool. And again, it's good world building, right? Like it's a good story, a continuation of this this trilogy. Of yes. Movies, right. Yeah, they they keep the consistency, which yes. I like. Consistency, good word. Now I wanted to bring up something, because I wanted to bring up an "I told you so," Ryan, because remember in the Iron Man two episode, yeah, where I was saying like, wasn't there a point in these movies where there's a like a an American flag version of the Iron Man suit. The Iron Patriot. The yes. Iron Patriot, yeah. And and we were trying to come up with it, and you were like, yeah, well, there's Iron Patriot in the comics. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm crazy. And Iron Patriot is in this yeah. movie. <laughs> he is a big part of this movie. Yes, he is. And yes. I'm, I'm sure people who listened to that episode were like, wow, Andrew's a dum-dum. Yeah. Just, just, just wait, till, wait till he gets to Iron Man 3. Yeah. But no, I, no, at the end, we did get to the point that it was the Iron Patriot you were thinking of. Right, but right. But I think the problem is we were both thinking of legit Iron Man armor and just American flag painted over it i think so yeah. yeah but like when i when i saw him show up and it's roads in the in the iron patriot thing i was like mm -hmm. oh and I, I i said i have to bring this up to ryan and make sure that i'm not crazy because i'm not crazy <laughs> i knew it i knew it all see kids you doubted me Ooh. you sent fan mail yeah you told me there's uh, names of several good doctors i don't need them <laughs> i don't need any of your doctors anymore you're welcome so iron patriot yeah. is real um so so uh, while you look up your notes, so at this point in the story, we get all Church Killian, and then he promises him he'll meet him on the roof, uh, and he goes up to the roof, and he waits for him, and this whole story arc there. Um, I do like that Iron Man narrates the intro and just talking about where he's at um, kind of thing. Uh, so then what happens is, of course, you see during the montage of this explanation, the armors all explode mm -hmm. and everything, and then it's kind of like, how did we get here? kind of quentin tarantino kind of story-esque yeah. uh so now at this point we see tony uh you know hook up with the lovely young lady in classic mm -hmm. classic fashion there but they kind of tiptoe around it yeah because it's, it's disney now and they're like, mouse. well they they didn't necessarily have sex maybe they just talked all night exactly in their underwear in their underwear yeah, yeah. and uh and i like how I still, and again, you, you mentioned in the very first episode of Iron Man uh, what you love about uh, Robert Downey's approach to uh, character, or the character Tony, is that he's an engineer, but he's like a smart, but 
he's a smart engineer in the sense that he's always like mechanically thinking about solutions. Mm -hmm. And I love that through his uh, casual fling, if you will, that he's able to solve her issue by writing a formula on the back of a card. And he's just like, yeah, uh, the whole time he's hooking up with this girl, flirting the whole nine yards. He solves her problem and just like, yep, done with this. Boom. Which tells you that it probably wasn't the best sex because he was probably thinking of that math the yeah. whole time. But you're, you were you were saying that though, that it's a great approach to someone being that intelligent, that yeah. the mind's always kind of working ahead, even though in the conversation he's just, he's there, he's having a good time. You know, let's talk about drinks, let's talk about girls. But in his head, he's like, so the next solution is to this, this, and this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's Yeah. So it's very well done. Now, speaking of his flings, uh, Christine Everhart is not no, in this movie. No, yes. Not. Uh, it's because she's and, in space busy doing an Nihilist thing. I was about to stop you and be like, that's because <laughs> she's not a Nihilist, and that's where her story ends. When phase five begins, and it's called the Nihilist phase, and it's Christine Everhart, yeah. you'll be eating those words. Mm. I can't wait for that episode. I actually have an Nihilist nod to you in this lovely oh, movie. Oh, <laughs> there we go. See, that that's Christine's Everhart. Yeah. That's, her, that's her contribution uh -huh. in Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned the, the suit's blowing up. And they talk about how the, the suit he uses primarily in this one is Mark 42, I believe. Yes. Now, are you like, I know you're good. You're good. You know your stuff. Mm -hmm. But can you watch an MCU movie, look at anything that Tony is wearing and say, oh, yep, that's Mark 27. Like, can do you know? I know most of the armors. Yeah. Wow, that, there's, that's there's, really cool. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Yeah. There's the Centaurian armor that is, uh, that is there that he builds. Um, down, you see at the end of the movie. Uh, there's a ton of them. There's like the astral armor. There's a stealth suit. Uh, there's uh, they all have names. I can't mm. remember what they all are, but yes, I can. And we see a we lot can, at the end. You um, see a lot of them. Ooh, yeah, I, the trading cards. I remember there was one called Exo Battle Armor. That's yes. the only one I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm surprised we didn't get any nod to the Hulkbuster, but we do get it later on. Yes. Uh, but. It's funny you mentioned that, sir. And on top of that, not only mentioned nihilist. So here's where the clues come together. Oh, so he this. talks about he's in. I love it too. I love the sequence. He's having a good time. Puts a Christmas song in there. So by the way, guys, if you need a Christmas movie, Iron Man yeah, three. This is, is Marvel's your jam. only Christmas movie. That's, I totally forgot about that. That's right. It's a, yeah. It's a Christmas movie. So. Merry now, Christmas, Ryan. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year to both you and our audience. Yeah, thank um, you. It's 2020. We're 2020, old. We live uh, in the future. You know what? But we live... You know, everyone always talks about, I wish I was born in the 80s. No, I wish I was born right here, right now, because, man, the MCU has been just such a gift to me, regardless of whether they're uh, gifts I want or don't want. Yeah. And in the end, you get to this point. So, yeah, happy new year, Merry Christmas, and uh, here we're in 2020, and this show's still here, and we're still doing it, and I couldn't be more happier for it. Me neither, and mm. we live so far in the future that the plot of Blade Runner 1 takes place in the past now. Yes. Isn't that insane? Oh, my God, that's so true. We're Jetsons. We are the Jetsons yeah. now. Not only that, um, uh, uh, Transformers, the animated movie, took place in 2005, and that's oh when Unicron eats a planet. So nobody's got the touch or the power anymore. <laughs> no. Nope. Now we got the geriatric touch. Uh, yeah. So tell me about this nihilist thing. Okay, so uh, he mentions, uh, he goes, I'm introduced my new baby brother. Guys, welcome Mark 42. Mm -hmm. Now 42 is the answer to everything, of course. I think that's the how the Hitchhiker's yes. Guide is. is. But uh, now here comes the famous old question. Did you watch Avengers vs. Mighty Heroes? No, not yet. 
One day. One, one day. day. One day we'll get there. When I'm done um, Gargoyles and, and my Clone Wars thing that I'm doing for Rebels Come Podcast. That's on that, the list. That's where I'm going. All right. I'm going to yeah. hold you to it. You have now. Keep holding me to you it. You've now set a date. Yes. There is now an end to this not watching it. So yes, there is. I will follow up with you. So there is an episode that mentions this comic book run that, mm-hmm. uh, that mentions 42. And 42 is an idea that Mr. Fantastic, Hank Pym, and Tony Stark come up with called idea number 42 42 is a prison that's built in the negative zone and that prison is for superheroes who do not comply in civil war for the superhero registration act i remember this yes now here's the crazy thing so mark 42 40 or sorry uh 42 now 42 was also attacked by a creature who feeds in the negative verse or the negative zone who is Nihilus. Christine Everhart yes. confirmed. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And isn't um what what's the, the, the designation of the Marvel universe? It's is it Earth forty two? What what's No, that? it's Earth six one six. Six one six, thank yeah. you. I knew it was like a weird number. Uh, okay, so there's no connection there, but Annihilus mm-hmm. confirmed. You're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. No, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so that was the big... I actually didn't pick up on that the first time around, but I did pick it up this time around because I watched the cartoon, mm-hmm. and that uh, gave me the hint, and then I remember from the Civil War comics that that was the big thing. So that, uh, yeah, so that was huge. Um, and by the way, Civil War comics, there's a Civil War comic run called the uh, Civil War Illuminati. And let me tell you, when you put Black Panther, Namor, Tony Stark, Professor X, Mr. Fantastic and Black Bolt all in one room. They come up with some terrible ideas, man. They may solve problems, but they're terrible ideas. Yeah, I I actually, they I actually know about because they're the reason that you got uh, World War Hulk. Yeah. Because they send Hulk to space and he comes back pissed. Yeah, I'm like, why would you do that? Like, there's better (laughs) solutions. Put him on the moon or something. Like, don't send him too far. Uh, See what happens, Illuminati? (laughs) Terrible. Nothing good can come of you. So, okay, so you guys Idea 42 and then... um, He's having a good time. And then we're taken to Stark Industries where Happy Hogan's running security. Uh, I love his mullet, by the way. Yeah, Happy's yeah. rocking a mullet in this movie. Exactly. Happy uh, uh, Happy, Happy Hogan's rocking the mullet. And uh, so, yeah, then we get Aldrich Killian in his new form. But we also get the Mandarin video sequence. And that is super cool. All the best lines in this movie come from fake Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which we do not know. See me coming. I, and like honestly, <laughs> I, I tell I tell everyone the same thing. The first two acts of that film are just nothing but gold. Like uh, you are just on for a ride. You don't even care about Richard Killian. Yeah. You don't care about AIM. You're like, man, Mandarin is a force to be reckoned with. Fortune cookies are an American mm-hmm. creation. Oh God, I love. Did you know the Chinese theater? Like, <laughs> I, like it's such a great approach, and I love it. And it was it was a great way to modernize this character because he's so into magic and everything. But what I love about it is he's trying to break down American institutions. And what they could have done was him building up maybe a new religion, mm-hmm. like of followers or some, something. Yeah. Um. And I love it. And uh, and then um, they talk about, of course, the Iron Patriot. They bring in a War Machine now transformed mm-hmm. into. Iron Patriot, uh, which is a which is a character from the comic books as well, uh, but not converted War Machine. Just again, just another knockoff. Yeah. Uh, like Captain America has a U.S. agent, Iron Man has an Iron Patriot. Um, so it must suck to be those guys. Like, hey man, I'm U.S. Mm. agent. He's at a party. And he's like, 
I'm not Captain America. Please don't ask. Me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's it's kind of annoying. Um, uh, so yeah. So uh, Mandarin. Yeah, he's supposed to be all magic and stuff like that. Uh, and um, and I wasn't expecting them to go full magic before I mm. knew about the Mandarin twist. I wasn't expecting. You know the the cartoon Mandarin where he's like, oh, I got an ice ring and a fire. Mm. Like, I don't think you, I don't think you were expecting that either, right? You were just like, okay, he's gonna be a terrorist. Yep, he's gonna have his own thing. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. And and now when when uh, when Pepper comes downstairs, by yeah. the way, that might be my favorite scene in the movie where Tony is like, he's shaking, he's kind of trembling, and, and Pepper's with him, and he tells her like how much New York messed him up. Yes. How much we get the the post the post Iron Man and and he almost dies right like he goes through that memory of almost dying Um, sorry yes that's where we were going I lost my train of thought there Um, but yeah so this is the part of the movie that does sell the movie which Mm -hmm. is you know you just survived this invasion and you can see that he did not walk away from it like scotch free like no. like this whole like let's go have shawarma everything's okay no everything yeah. is not okay and he's the perfect hero to explore this with because yes he's seen some bad things but everything he's seen has been so grounded in reality yes so the minute he looks into that sky and sees what thanos's force is like and he's just like wow we are nothing compared to what's out there yeah that shape like that wouldn't shake thor um but th- Iron Man, a hundred percent, and and that I love that aspect of it, and I like how do you go from the big team up to the most grounded of the Avengers? Mm-hmm. Simple, you you give them that post traumatic stress, and and you sell just how much the Shatari invasion messed with them. Yeah, and I love that scene so much, and like he's just there with Pepper and and like telling her how much it frightened him, and he can't sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful stuff. It's it's so beautiful and and it, yeah and you see him trying to get over it and everything and it's cool that he's building like a remote Iron Man armor. Mm. You, one thing I do like about um, Iron Man's progression through the trilogy and the MCU is he's always improving his armor and making changes, like trying out new things, like a remote armor. Yeah. Um, and you know protecting himself, keeping things as away from him. Uh, so yeah, we get that, and then um, you get the Mandarin. Uh, sorry, you get the Mandarin again about the Chinese theater. And then, um, or sorry, we get the introduction of Alfred Killian with Pepper Potts. He shows off the new technology, talks about the pain, uh, pain receptors and what extremists can do. And they're like, okay, no, we've seen that you're not great and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like that Pepper was hit on by Alfred Killian. I think that's a clever part of the story. Again, you don't have to make him like a, a super handsome guy. But, but even though you did, I'd still like the idea that, you know, Pepper is her own person and she doesn't worship Tony. Like she's a person. She loves Tony, but at the same time, Tony's not all there. For yeah. Her, right? He's not so. the most stable boyfriend. So right. it makes sense. And, um, we get introduced during that scene where he's talking to Pepper, we get introduced to his henchman whose name I keep forgetting. Oh, is he a comic book character too? No, he's, he's just a guy, just an extremist guy, he's just an extremist dude. Yeah. Um, but he, he messes up happy. Yes. He messes happy. And that's, that was a, a jarring scene. Again, I'd only seen this once mm-hmm. in the theater. So when I watched it again last week, I was like, damn, that's scary. In, in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater, he just blows that place up. Uh, he's got, well, he doesn't do it himself, but he's got his, his other guy there, his other extremist guy, and they blow it up. Mm-hmm. And Happy gets knocked on his ass. He only survives because he hides behind that ticket booth. Um, that was 
intense. That was really yes. because of how personal it was. It felt like a real terrorist attack the mm-hmm. way it was treated. And obviously when the blame gets put to the Mandarin, Tony is not a happy camper. Right. Because that's his friend. And that's when we get that moment where he, he threatens Mandarin uh, on TV. And then his house gets attacked. And we get, uh, we've, we always like to talk about Marvel moments. Um, and I think we get two amazing Marvel moments back to back when Tony's house gets blown Yes. Out. And I think you that, know which that, two I'm talking about. Oh, so. yeah. That battle's so cool. The first for me was he summons Mark 42, but not for him. He summons it for Pepper to yeah. protect her. And I was just like... Mm, yes, please. which which is kind of a nice a uh, nice nod to uh, the rescue armor that he's gonna yes, build. Yeah, get, she's gonna be rescued. She's gonna be rescued, right? So yes, love that scene. And again, this whole process with the Mandarin at this point, great villain. Like yes. he's got he's got this like mercenaries working for him, taking out Tony, like literally breaking everything about Iron Man. And yeah. that's the momentum I love about this movie is that you break down what Iron Man represents and then you go after Iron Man himself. Yes. And it's it's a great momentum to this film. I absolutely love it. And you can feel the pressure. And um, and I do love the crime-solving scene when he rebuilds the forensics and he finds out that there's like a weird thing and uh, Happy Hogan's pointing to the dog tags. Uh, but yeah, the battle scene is great. And then... I love that. I love that when the when what's her name comes in, uh, Megan or not Megan, uh, Maya. Maya comes in and she talks about, oh, you know, and, and he's worried that she has a kid. He has a kid with her, um, and everything. So yeah, it's all these pieces are in place. The battle's great, and he finds out that a clue he needs is in Tennessee or whatever, and mm-hmm. then the armor flies him out. Um, yeah, I love the whole battle scene, and I love again. I love the the situations you put Iron Man in, where the armor is underwater, the buildings crumbling on him. Yes, like I like I like I like to see a superhero tested in different ways, and I think this was a really cool way that we haven't seen yet. Is like just pure environmental damage going on. He's got to he's got to figure out a way to get out and everything. So that was really well done. And that for me was the second Marvel moment is when he's trapped underwater, mm-hmm. and Jarvis is like, "So hold your breath." And the gauntlet flies off and, and yeah, like grabs pulls him. him out. Yeah. Wow. That's it's so cool. So good. Um, now, this is where the film for me gets a little detached. It goes a little mm-hmm. off the rails, where it's the introduction of the kid. The kid. What was his name again? Jacob? Jacob or Jake. Um, I think it was Jake. Uh, yeah, you might be right. Um, but now, granted, if there's one thing about Iron Man that. I'm sorry about Iron Man three that Mm -hmm. is always stuck in my head. Yeah. It's this visual. And I think it was in all the trailers of him walking through the snow, dragging his armor behind him. Yeah. That for me, every time somebody says the words Iron Man three, I immediately think of that image. Right. Um, So I think that they, you know, it was a powerful image to to sort of sell the movie on, even though it's kind Mm. of a spoiler, it works because at the end of the day, this movie does answer the question Captain America asked, which is when you you know take off the suit, what are you? He spends a lot of this movie just kind of MacGyvering his way through things. He can't rely on this. That's suit. a good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But that's the majority of this movie is him having to solve problems outside of his armor and testing who he is, right, uh, and what he can do, right. So, uh, but that being said. I think what I only redeeming factor that I like about this, but it hasn't been done in the movies yet, is the kid. Okay. The yeah. kid, it's. I mean, he breaks into this kid's the kid's place, and the kid turns out to be there and everything. Um, and then he shows that he's alive, uh, or the kid tells him he's alive, and the kid kind of keeps him tied into everything that's going on. 
Um, but I think what I would love to see a little bit more of is maybe even do like a post video where uh, Iron Man does a holographic video starting the, the new Avengers and being like, you know, I was, he starts with explaining that I was, you know, in a bad place. This is what happened to me in my story. And through meeting this kid, I realized that, you know, we need to help the, the new young heroes out there because Avengers, through the Avengers, everything is now becoming, you know, all these heroes and stuff are coming out and out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see that kind of explanation and kind of tying that knot. If it doesn't happen, it kind of, in my mind, it did. But that's what I would love to see because that would make sense for Tony to have in his back pocket Peter Parker out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At some point, we still don't know how we found out about Peter, but yeah. this might be like the sweet spot where he, who knows, Jake or whatever this kid's yeah. name is, might be the one that prompts him to start this search you're talking about. Exactly. And, and, and Tony is always finding solutions, and he does have what he calls the New Avengers Protocol. Uh, and, uh, and then, yeah, and he, he goes and, and basically sends Jarvis to recruit all these New Avengers, thus, you know, Spider-Man being one of them. Um, but yeah, I would love to see that kind of explanation, but we don't, we don't get that. So, but in the end, yeah, the kid was kind of a weird transition point. Um, but that was the first of many disappointing surprises <laughs> and no offense to the kid and the actor that plays him nothing like that. You did a great job. It was mm. wonderful. It was wonderful to watch. And it's a lot of fun seeing Tony bounce off of a character, but same time, eh, just not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of liked this detour. It was, I feel like, because, you know, we're at this point in time, in 2013, we didn't know Spider-Man was going to be a thing, whatever. So we hadn't really had a young character in the MCU. Mm -hmm. um, and what's funny is, to me, I picture of all the characters in the Avengers, the one who would be the most uncomfortable around a little kid would be Tony. Oh, absolutely. So I found it really funny that you know he's at his lowest point and the only person in the world who can help him is this little kid mm. who's just like do you like this do you are you a mechanic i, I are think you're having a panic attack <laughs> yeah I, I find it that like it, it was the perfect moment to do something like this and he never got on my nerves that kid i think that they knew when he was about to overstay his welcome and mm. they cut it off at that point that's fair I, I i agree with you but at the same time for me it just i didn't feel like i feel like you're right in the sense it was enough time, but for me, I feel like you could have shortened it mm -hmm. and just like kind of kicked off that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it was a good way. Plus, it was a Christmas movie, so you need to have that kind of childhood innocence yeah. within a Christmas movie, um, per se. Uh, now, at this point, we're also getting, uh, and I made a mistake earlier. I did. I have to double check it, but actually, the Iron Patriot armor was actually made in ten is is a combination of Tony Stark and Norman Osborn. Ooh, because mm. nobody loves America like yeah. Norman Osborn. Exactly. Well, he was like running for president and this whole nine things, and he was working with Shield, so he created an Iron Patriot armor with Tony Stark. Um, so Word to the not so wise about your little girlfriend, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he comes back as Norman Osborn. Oh, I imagine if it's one redeeming thing aside from Jay Jonah that you can pull out of that world is definitely Gloria Grant. I mean <laughs> Betty Brant. No, I mean. Friggin', uh, you know, Norman Osborn. Anyway, yeah. so, um, so, so, yeah, so, uh, we're getting the Iron Patriot, where he's going to hunt down Mandarin, can't find him, mm -hmm. and then figuring out all these explosions. 
uh kind of you know i like the like he's working with the news guy the news guy base i love when he meets his fan and he's like yeah. in the news truck is good and that's when it really like it got under my skin how long it had been since i had seen this because yeah. like i said theater and then now like yeah. only those two times and that news guy um his name the actor's name is adam pally and he played one of the lead characters in this uh comedy called happy endings that i was a big fan of right and i have not seen happy endings in many many years and i have not seen iron man three even longer than that because when i was watching happy endings i remember my friend brought up to me like hey yeah that's the guy from iron man three and i was like oh wow it's been so long since i've seen iron man three and that, so like the time was so it was made so obvious to me just how old i am yeah, when i saw him there yeah. I'm like oh my god uh so uh it, it was it was the first time I got to see Iron Man three, knowing who that actor was. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So that's oh, good, and uh, and so again, I love that. You know, we're seeing uh, James Rhodes being like, "Oh, I love War Machine," and the passwords "War Machine Rocks" or sixty nine <laughs> or whatever. Um, so that was fun. Uh, and then you know, as we fast forward kind of through this, um, again, it kind of, it's cool to see Tony again solve problems as like the engineer and stuff and mm -hmm. i do like him doing a little bit of, i love heroes doing detective work i yeah. think that's a fun element that you can really kind of deep dive and explore a little bit more of um i love the bar i love the fight scene with the the extremist military woman yes where he uses the kitchen and, yeah and i love how he's making the cheesy one-liners and all the the zingers and everything like that and i love that they even make fun of him where she's like uh where she even says like oh or is that all you are? Like cheesy one-liners and all that stuff? And he's like, that's the name of my book. And just yeah. boom. And that, that lady, she uh, she took off too now. She is like the lead on this drama called A Million Little Things. Okay. That's like a big thing on TV right now. So she took off. And there's did you notice there's a little Captain America, uh, there's a little dig at Captain America during this fight? No. What um, I, I think it's, when he's, it's either when he's fighting her or when he's fighting the blonde guy. The Russian dude? Who takes the kid. Yeah. Um, but at one point they shoot their fire at him and he picks up a car door and he uses oh, a shield. Oh yeah. And then he kind of looks at what he's doing and he makes this face like, Ugh, and he tosses it aside. And I was like, Oh, that's it. right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember that. I remember seeing that. I'd never tied it to Captain America though. That's true. That yeah. makes sense. Captain America. But he does. Nerd. But that place <laughs> that does play with our messaging about, or yeah, our messaging about how, Tony doesn't like Captain America. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be considered a patriot, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So uh, now I think after this fight is when he goes to the compound and finds out the truth about Mandarin. Yes, and and so okay, so he finds out. He grabs a file, and I, again, I love the detective work. He grabs mm -hmm. the file, realizes that the soldier is a part of an AIM research program. Gets on the news truck, finds all those uh, research videos and all that stuff. So yeah, so now at this point he's going out to find figure out the Mandarin. Yeah. And he finds the source of the signal. And even like when when that when Jarvis tracks the source, like he's mm -hmm. got that line where he's like, All right, where where am I going? Like Syria, Iran, Kuwait, and Jarvis is like Miami. So we're talking about my, that that's where his transmission is coming from, Miami. Yeah. And so that's when you start to think, like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. Like, Miami. This is a oh god! This is a, a major hurt for Marvel. They they really had to fix this fast after this happened. So we get to Miami, and uh, you know they they even still kind of commit to the, the things like oh you know how the Mandarin gets if uh, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, so first of all, I like and I also like that they keep sending uh, Iron Patriot to all these 
I did air quotes for. The, I, did, I realize you guys did, can't see. He did see air it. quotes for Iron Patriot. Uh, Iron Patriot is because uh, he hates America. Going to all these wrong places and and finding out that you know they're not there. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have seen them twist the news a little bit and just be like, oh look, Iron Patriot's attacking you know civil civil targets, but it's a it's an expanding of story that you would have to spend a lot of time with. Um, anyway, so, uh, the Russian gets on Air Force One, fun sequence there. Yes. Um. I really like the Air Force One sequence. Yeah, and, uh, so yeah, he finds out, so we find out the Mandarin is not who he claims to be, and he's just some actor. And you can tell, guys, by, at this point, if you've been listening this far in this podcast, you can tell the momentum just, just becomes a flat tire at this point. Like, they just take all the air out of it. And we learn the horrible truth that he is not the real Mandarin. Mm -hmm. And that begs the question, if he's not, who is? And uh, we don't figure that out till a few minutes later on. At that point, we were under the impression there was no Mandarin at all. That's true. And that sucked. That Mm -hmm. really sucked. And and again, that means now you take away the Ten Rings storyline. The storyline. Then it also means that like. That means that, you know, this whole attack on the American institution and everything is just a total BS thing. Like, everything the movie's been built up to is all fake. Yeah. Which is not what you do. It's just, I, I, I mean, I am not in any writing position to, 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 be, to say I would have done it better. But at the same time, I just know that's not how you do it. It's it's weird. Uh, oh boy, yeah. You're I, a writer. I, you can comment. You can go crazy oh, on this. I'm let's, about to. I got some things. Yes. To let's hear some ranting. First of all, did I ever tell you that this was spoiled for me before I saw the movie? No. Yeah, Who did it? Um, when I used to work at Starbucks, I had a coworker, a very odd guy, uh, who watched a lot of movies, and he just mm. he was just one of those guys who didn't understand spoiling things. Like he would just, and I was in the changing room. I remember, and he comes in the changing room, and he's like. Hey man, did you see Iron Man three yet? I'm like, no, not yet. He's like, Mandarin's not real, you know. And I'm like, why? Screw off, man. Why would you do that? So, so I go into and in a way, I don't know. Maybe I'm glad that I wasn't taken for a ride by the movie. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I owe this guy a, a debt of thanks. But no, <laughs> here, here, here's how I was going into it because you know, Iron Man's not a super famous character before these movies come out. Yep. Because of the cartoon. I could name three Iron Man villains. Modok, Fin Fang Foom, and Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And and I know Mandarin is like the big papa. He's the man. I've been waiting three movies to see him. Yep. And now we're getting him. And like you said before, um, during this episode, he is all about, like, the, the fake Mandarin that they presented was all about breaking down everything that Iron Man was and then breaking Iron Man. And to me, that was like the MCU's answer to what they did with Joker in The Dark Knight. Yes. That was how Mandarin was shaping up in the trailers and in the first half of the movie. And I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. He's going to, you know, take away everything in Tony's world and and call out all the BS in Tony's world and then force Tony to go to his lowest point and maybe even do something that he's never wanted to do. Right. And then we get that, that, that twist. Um, and here's the thing. I'm all for really creative interesting twists and i i will never to my dying day i will never not applaud shane black for attempting this twist because this was ballsy man this was this is a ballsy move yeah but in hindsight with the gift of hindsight what i would have done differently yeah is this first of all take away aldrich killian doesn't exist he's not in this movie fair 
make Ben Kingsley that character. Mm. But you don't know yet. You only ever see the Mandarin as he is in these movies. And there's a fortune cookies, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get to this point in the movie, you see that twist where he's like, hey, I'm an American guy. I'm not this weird foreign uh, Mandarin terrorist guy. But I created this persona because I really do believe this extreme belief. I really do believe that I can make the world a better place by destroying it and rebuilding it from the ground up the way I want it. And I'm going to tear down, um, you know, the the American um, uh, institution. institution thing. Yeah. I'm going to tear that down because I believe it's flawed. And I'm going to commit all these atrocious things. Yes, I did kill that guy on camera, but here's why I did it. I would have made that the twist. Yes, he is fake. Mandarin is a costume and a fake name, whatever. But what this American guy believes is not fake. He does believe these things. And he is going to burn the world down and rebuild from the ashes. And Iron Man's got to stop that. And you can do that, I think, in an interesting way without needing this whole, oh, I was a nerdy Aldrich Killian, and now I'm going to get my revenge by mm -hmm. making hot people. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't need that, honey. You don't need that. Um, and I, I have a dragon tattoo on my chest. I'm the real Mandarin. No, you're not. Go, go to sleep. Uh, so th that's where I would have tweaked this. So you can have your twist, but you also get a cool take on the Mandarin. Okay. Um, okay. And and that would I think have salvaged it. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I, I mean, you could even hint that like, oh, I read some, I read in some, you know, culture that they 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 believe this Mandarin guy would come and wipe everything out and just imitate it, and then to yes. find out that it's real later on, right? But yeah, so, mm. well, and yeah, and then we get to the ship battle, and you know, they save the president, hurrah. And I love, again, now you not only get Iron Man out of his suit solving problems, you also get Rhodey yeah. out of his suit doing what Rhodey does best. Um, oh, and by the way, sorry, but Trevor Slattery, Ben Kingsley, I love you. Yeah. But Trevor Slattery's dialogue was horrible. It mm -hmm. was like uh, Shane Black, it felt like Shane Black was like, what's every cliche thing British people say? And he's like, oh, you fancy the birds? Call blimey. Why are you pointing the gun at me then, eh, soccer? And I'm like, oh man, like it, it was, it was rough. It just, yeah, it was, it, it just felt awkward and it's just very misleading and the whole thing there. Now the ship battle was fun, and again, Aldrich Killian, like again, this actor, you have this amazing actor, and and he could do so many cool things, and again, he's just, oh, he's cursed. So, <laughs> so anyway, so you get the ship battle, all the Iron Man armors come in. Um, and then, yeah, so you, uh, you have the Silver Centurion armor. You have, uh, mm. there's, oh man. That's a nice name. I actually pulled the list. Hold on. I got to go back. Uh, Black Stell suit, Mark uh, 41, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you have Silver Centurion. You have the heavy lifting suit, which is the one you're talking to. Yeah. Talking to you, the exosuit. Um, it's also a prerequisite to the Hulkbuster armor. Yes. Uh, so. So yeah, you have all these different armors coming in, uh, and they, uh, and I love how he's interchanging them and all this stuff, which is a lot of fun. Um, and the battle's fun, and then again, this is where you get the reveal that Ultra Killian. He's like, you want to see what the Miro Mandarin is. And at this point, it's like... Everyone in the audience is like, yes, we yeah. do, Aldridge, and it's not you, sweetheart. Not only do we get a backhand, but the backhand, that same hand picks up a pie and then shoves it in your face. <laughs> like, it's just a total beatdown. 
um and he's breathing fire and it's like you're not even you're not even going to the rings thing you're just making him breathe fire because it's the mandarin like oh god and then yeah and then not only that pepper's been given the extremist formula she has superpowers now and it's just like oh my you you know you did something wrong when two guys like us say out loud that a character is breathing fire and we're not saying it as a positive. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know you screwed up somewhere down the line. <laughs> I mean, breathing fire is the coolest thing you could do, and if we hate it, you know it's bad. Oh, by, by the way, I, I have to give props to the funniest line of the movie, which is... Oh, you can breathe fire. <laughs> which is that aim guard. Or he just throws down his gun. He's like, I hate working here. Honestly, they are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, oh, man, the shipyard scene's such a mess. And then Pepper getting the extremist formula and all this stuff. So that's Iron Man 3. <laughs> it is. Now, I, again, because I forgot so much of this movie, yeah. having only seen it once, I totally forgot about a really awesome sequence, which is that free fall barrel of monkeys thing when he's saving yeah. all the Air Force One folks. Yeah. That was really cool. That there there's um like I always go back to the scene in Spider-Man two, I think, or it's, it's Spider-Man two or one, where um he saves like he just saves some people from a burning building. It's not a huge deal, but like he's you have an action scene where he saves them from a burning building and then like that woman is like, Oh god bless you, Spider-Man, you saved my baby, whatever. And it was just this really emotional Thing. And it's like, yeah, that's something Spidey does every day, but they made it an emotional thing. This was the same thing. This feels like something that I feel like Iron Man would do a lot as a superhero. It's like, oh, somebody's falling. I can fly, so I'm going to go help them. But they do it in this really like cool, badass way where they, they have, um, you know, it's tied into the plot, first of all, because he got Air Force One. And mm. then he saves these people in a really interesting method. And then at the end, you know, they're all okay. And I'm like, oh, that was so cool, man. That was a great Iron Man moment. I think it's. I think when you do a rescue scene in any superhero movie, it's a nice breaking of the pacing of a movie. And it's a nice refreshing break to remind the remind the audience how heroic they are. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like a, it's it's as simple as like doing the most mundane task at work. It's a little thing that, that yeah. keeps the, the whole thing going. But I agree with you. Yeah, it was a great moment. I mean, and it was fun to see how he solved the problem because like he can't carry them all. Right? Yes um so and it's cool to see now filming wise my understanding is they actually did film that stunt skydiving wise so they had to actually fly into each other and like do the whole thing so and then they cg'd in the iron man suit and that's insane is my understanding that's the way i remember it i could be horribly wrong but that's the way i remember it but it was well it was well shot because Mm. basically what you do is you shoot the sequence where they're all grabbing each other in the air um and then uh and then you shoot the separate shot when they're all like hanging together near the water and he drops them in the water yeah but yeah um but it's it's such a cool cool scene um overall the movie had great moments uh i i going back to what we talked about with the youtube guy i agree that there is an emotional simplistic story here that doesn't uh, that doesn't need to expand the marvel cinematic universe you don't need anybody else um it's just a fun story centralized around this character but at the same time because it's a trilogy you need to you need to expand either expand or conclude for now certain things that you built up on what happened to the 10 rings right um what happened to the 10 rings uh and if uh and not only that is like okay if mandarin's not real 
did you just make them up? Like, where did you get the idea? Like, mm-hmm. there's still there's so many things that you have to finish and wrap up, right? Uh, and uh, Aldrich Killian read a lot of Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. And AIM. Now AIM's yeah. a character, but, like, at the same time, where was AIM going? Right? And so you have all these tools. Where are they going? And uh, an Extremis. So, like, is Extremis done? I hope so. <laughs> I think I'm done with do hot people. Yeah. Um, you said a, a perfect word in there. And I'll get back to it later, but I will say the word is trilogy, and that sums up how I feel about this. But before I get there, I want to ask you if you remember or not. It might be tricky to remember, but did you buy for a second that Pepper died when she fell? No. Yeah. (laughs) It was so quick when it happened. I was like, I remember being in the theater and being like, there's no way they would have not lingered if she like if she had actually died, they would have made it a moment, and they didn't yeah. make it a moment. No. So there's no way this is real. And not only that, like they don't give you time to to really because like it's in the heat of an action sequence, and it's and it's only mid part of the battle, like mm-hmm. it's only midway through, right? And yes, you see Stark angry, but like and 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 again, Aldrich Killian, a total nonsense villain. That's like I would have caught her. Like, yeah. Do we care? Like, yeah. do we care about that? Like. Uh, I'm gonna cut her. Yeah, because I was a nerd once, but now I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the battle. Wasn't a fan of the villain. Uh, but it, like I said, the first two acts when Mandarin is real in the whole video sequence. Oh my god, so mm-hmm. good, so good. All right. Oh boy. So that being said, um, yeah. Overall, the film. I overall, I will accept it as a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as as a good story and everything. Um, I also didn't like the fact that they just solved all of Tony's problems. Like his heart or the the chest thing and the metal shrapnel his heart. If he could have done that this whole time, why didn't he? Yeah, that was a really weird thing. It's like if it was, it's been that easy to remove. Like I thought the point was you can't remove it. Yeah. That's why you built the arc reactor. Like Jensen is supposed to be a world renowned doctor. And yes, he, yes, he lived in the cave. Don't get me wrong. But, and he did the best he could. But if Stark had access to all this medical stuff, why didn't he just do it before? Like if this exists, if Dr. Yao exists. And, and let's be honest, like, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. You you would know better than me. Refresh my memory. But the fact that he no longer has the shrapnel, does that matter at all going forward? Wait, like actually or just my opinion? Either or. See, in my mind, it does need to exist, the chess piece thing, because the whole idea is the chest, the, the heart, the chest thing is a symbol that he learns all these things and he just moves on. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he learns and moves on and it's kind of like just as if you were replacing your heart. Yeah. Right. Like you just imagine you could just take it out and just replace it with a new heart. Yeah. And like, there's little things that I love about that kind of storytelling. Like there's a scene where he goes traveling with a bunch of business people on this like Everest climb for whatever reason. And they're all tired and he's tired and it's because his chess pieces are powered down. So he switches with the new battery and he's all like, all right, we're good to go. Let's Mm -hmm. go guys. And, um, but emotionally though, I think that's also the symbolism of it is that yes, he's this engineer who's like his, his whole sole thing is just solving problems. So he doesn't have time to like emotionally linger with things. So what do you do? Just 
take out the heart piece, put in a new one. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he's able to just take it out and that's it, bing, bang, boom, clean your hands of it. Yeah. Like, has that ever come in handy in the movies now? It's like, well, thanks to the fact that I took out the shrapnel, I can punch no. Thanos really hard now. No, like, because all these things now don't matter. The, the yeah. whole power, the whole question of like, how much power does his suit have? Doesn't matter anymore because he doesn't need, his suit does, his suit has his own power supply now. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that now, uh, is that, yeah, he has no more heart problems. So that's not an issue anymore, right? Like, um, like I noticed in later movies, and you'll notice it too, we talked about the continuity thing and he talks about he, he always nurses his left arm yes and he also um he also says in civil war uh my chest is numb so he has like that Ooh, kind of ghost okay. effect but again it falls flat because it, it's go- like it's just him being like a mentally distraught it's not like a physical problem yeah um so uh, yeah it's uh no it's weird man they need it yes they needed to keep it in there but i don't know why they did it the way they did it uh well in terms of who we're adding to our character encyclopedia, yes. I think the only people we met are Aldrich Killian and Maya, correct? Uh, well, technically the Mandarin, but I, we're yeah. not kind of count Trevor Slater. Especially right? because we know we're getting the real Mandarin. Exactly. In Shang-Chi. Um, so yeah, you... Okay, so you get Aldrich Killian, which I'll tell you how to spell it in a second. Oh, I already got his name. Okay. I'm good to go. Aldrich Killian, Maya Henson. Henson. And you have Dr. Wu. Oh, he's a person. Okay. Yeah, he's a character, but he was added much later on. Okay. Doctor Wu. Uh, he because he appeared in Spider Amazing Spider Man number one in twenty fifteen. Alrighty, and in terms of who is going into our memorial cemetery, I think it's just Aldrich Killian. Aldrich Killian. He's yeah. just he's our only dead body here today. Aldrich Killian. Mm-hmm. What a what a shame it had to be him. He will be missed. That's a joke. He won't. Yeah. <laughs> he won't be uh, now, so overall, mm-hmm. all right. So we're, we, we got to rate this thing. Um, we got to give it our infinity stones. Now, like I said before, the key word you said earlier is trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that really informed my decision. There was a point in my life shortly after college. Okay, after we left college, and I, I owe part of this to you, but there was a point in my life where I was like, there's a lot of classic like 80s movies and 90s movies that I have not seen yet. So I remember I called up my friend Robin, who was good at like finding movies online, because I looked for these movies the legal way, and nobody had them. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. you didn't help me, so I'm, I'm going to do it the illegal way. But I called up my friend, and I'm like, Robin, can you please get me these movies so I can finally see them? And they were, you know, like, they're big things, like the, the Friday the 13th franchise, the Lethal Weapon franchise, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I found when I was watching those, you know, because I'm able to just sit there and binge, I could watch, like, Robocop 1, 2, and 3 all in a row. I could appreciate them, I think, without having to go through that whole pattern of, like, this movie was great. Now I have to wait three years for the next one. And looking back at Iron Man, now that I've sort of binged it all quasi-together... I get the same feeling I got when I watched stuff from back then. Yeah. And this, uh, it, it, it's funny that RoboCop was what kept coming to mind because it's very similar to Iron Man. But with RoboCop, I found I have two movies that are, in my opinion, fantastic. And then a third one that's a little rough, but I still really liked it. And then, you know, and that goes for a lot of trilogies back then. Back to the Future. A lot of people 
love one and two. The third one, they're, you know, it's rough, but they still like it. Yeah. Lethal Weapon, same thing. You got like all the, like Halloween, uh, you could go on and on. And I find that Iron Man feels like, at the end of the day, now that I have this hindsight, it feels like an 80s trilogy. It feels uh, like I, I picture myself like in the future if I had never seen these movies, being like, "Robin, can you get me these Marvel movies that I've been hearing about for decades?" And he sends me these three movies, and I'm like, "Wow, the first two were pretty damn good, and the third one was weird, but I kind of liked it." That's where I landed with that. It felt like an '80s trilogy, and for that reason, I think Iron Man three deserves four Infinity Stones. Mm. Yeah. We rated zero to six stones, by the way. Yep. Plus a gauntlet if you want to go the whole night. It's like perfect score. If you give it the gauntlet, you got give it a perfect score, which I think the only movie so far is Iron Man One. Did we both give it a gauntlet? I think we might have Yeah, we both gave it a gauntlet. I I think Captain America came close. Oh no, Avengers we gave a gauntlet. Yeah, Avengers we Um, gave a gauntlet as well. But yeah, four stones I'm going for Iron Man three, which is much higher than I initially expected. Yeah, I, I would say that is much higher than I expected. But again, it comes back to reflecting on it. And that's the beauty of Infinity Rewatch is you reflect on it. Um, so why do you give it four? Because it, or is it because that that it's that trilogy? It's that 80s trilogy? It, yeah, it just it had that vibe to it where I was like, you know what? This is much better than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It had weird moments, but all in all, it felt like an Iron Man movie. It felt like the next chapter in his story mm-hmm. while still embracing what happened in the MCU. Yeah. Um, it just it had that sort of third movie stigma that uh, another great example of Ninja Turtles trilogy man mm, think about yeah. that it's like no the third one was really bad the third one was really bad third one was really it, bad it, it's just there's so many great examples of that yeah. from that time period so it, it just it hit me in the right places when it was firing on all cylinders. Uh, okay so. yeah no I love because I love the second Ninja Turtles okay no, that makes sense all right mm-hmm. so okay I. I am gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three. I wanted to agree with you and give it mm-hmm. four, but I will say because the first two acts are amazing, the potential of yes. Mandarin is amazing, and they they brought they did a great job bringing him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But after finding out the whole th- because the, the the critical point was the plot twist. And because the plot twist made everything fake, that made the whole movie's momentum just drop. Mm-hmm. So that's why it hurt me a little bit. Um, but Tony Stark's story continues. Pepper's story continues. It's really well done. I love it. Um, and that's why I think I give it three. But And I think for me, there are ways, again, there are ways to, to build the cinematic universe but still give a beautiful story. And, and Marvel just couldn't quite get it right. This was definitely a learning experience for Marvel. Um, and I'm glad this movie exists. I don't, I, I, it's not one of those things where I regret it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it exists, but there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And I'm glad they made this mistake now as opposed to making it much later when something critical needs to happen and, it's, and it goes there. So, yeah, that's why I give it three. But they did redeem me a little bit because in Marvel One Shot, they they this is way before they made the announcement in Shang Chi that Mandarin's going to be in it. Yeah. But um, but in one Marvel One Shot, they 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 totally fixed the Mandarin in that with a beautiful sequence, and uh, that's why I'm proud of them for that. Imagine going on a blind date mm. 
and you you walk into the restaurant and you see the girl sitting at the table and she is a hundred percent your type. She is just mm-hmm. a drop dead gorgeous bombshell. Yeah. And then halfway through the day, she's like, "Excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom." And when she comes back, she reveals her true face and she is a hundred percent not your type. That's what they did with the villains in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Mandarin was my type of villain. Aldrich Killian was not my type of villain. And that's the problem. And and one thing, if you're ever gonna tackle, um, you know, one day I, one day a big dream of mine would be to create like a video game story or something like that. And one thing you cannot do to your fans unless it's super well crafted is you cannot lie to them. You yes. Cannot lie to your fans. Yeah. The second you do. And you make something that they they've been following and investing in. If you make that fake, or make it wrong, and and you don't have something to fix it, or 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 shift perspectives, mm-hmm. you've 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 hurt your audience. That's man. dangerous territory. That's dangerous territory. But thankfully, I don't think they've made this mistake again. In you know, no eighteen uh, movies yeah. follow that follows us up. I don't think they made yeah. that mistake. No, they almost did with uh, with Captain Marvel and Coulson, but they never they never hinted the fact that Coulson was Captain Marvel. So right. they, they could have, but they didn't. And you're absolutely right. They did not make that mistake again. So mm-hmm. they actually did. They actually fixed it and they made it fun in Spider-Man Far From Home. I was actually going to say a great example of a villain twist that was done the right way is the Vulture. Yes. Because you don't find out who he is until halfway through the movie. And then you're yeah. like, oh, geez. Yeah. But then they so. do it. They do it a second time with Mysterio because yeah. they... they in the trailer and in the movie up until it happens they convince you that yeah. he is a good guy and it's such a beautiful twist using iron man yeah which is even funnier <laughs> oh man crazy love it wow that that was our little post credit that was that talk was right there yeah, yeah yeah and that, right. that's iron man 3 yep that's it yeah so uh i hope you enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed it more than the movie mm-hmm. what i would love that if somebody hated a marvel movie yeah but they listened to our podcast of it and they were like guys that was better than the movie. but you know you know what you could do with this podcast is you can rate review and subscribe to it and let us know what you thought of our thoughts You're damn right. of this podcast. You're damn yeah, right. I would love to see more of that. Because guess what? We're not really Ryan and Andrew. What? We are Trevor Slattery. Hey-o. <laughs> and Aldridge Killian. What bloody hell wanker's going on here? I'm the real Mandarin. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, I hope you guys have a marvelous day. <laughs>